I'm Jimmy Adams, and it's going to take more than illness to put me down. I'm Sam Mags, and by the time this podcast is released, I'm most likely going to be deep within Mirkwood with the release of the digital version of the Lord of the Rings LCG. And I'm Ian McAllister, and by the time this um, podcast goes out, I'll be getting ready for Tabletop Scotland Day 2. But for now, this is Brainways, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. And here are the headlines for the week beginning 2nd September 2018. You must not fear, as June finally returns to the tabletop. Tabletop Scotland comes to Perth and set out to unknown lands in the new game from FFG. Gale Force 9 have just announced that they have acquired the license to Frank Herbert's Dune series. The company famous for games such as Star Trek Ascendancy, the Firefly board game, and several other Firefly games actually. They'll be releasing games tying in with not only Frank Herbert's original Dune series, but Brian Herbert and Kevin Jansen. The company will not only be releasing games based on Frank Herbert's Dune series, but also Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson's sequel series, and also the new film from Denis Villeneuve coming out very, very soon, or even filming very, very soon. Really looking forward to that film. Villeneuve did such a great job with the new Blade Runner. I'm fantastically looking forward to the new Dune film from him. I am 100% with you on this. Hit, yeah. uh, Blade Runner and Arrival, I thought, were stonking. Oh yeah, Ar- Arrival's a stunning piece of work. Uh, we've already had an announcement of their first product. It's a cooperation with Modifius Entertainment on a Dune tabletop RPG. More than likely using Modifius's 2D20 system, used on Conan, Star Trek Adventures, and the new Mutant Chronicles, I believe. Maybe it'll be fine. Who knows? I mean, I, I've heard the 2D20 system for Infinity is really good. So, yeah, maybe it'll work for June. But, yeah, I have my doubts. I'm not so sure about it. Being, being an RPG, I'm not so sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they dive into in the June universe. It being the sort of a very big, interesting universe uh, with, all, uh, with a, a massive background in geek culture. Uh, and, it'll, and it'll be interesting to see with what sort of reverency they, they deal with that license. Because uh, if they, they screw up, I imagine they'll have a lot of angry nerds on their hand. It's, it's a mixture of reverency and also, you know, how they how they deal with it. Because some of a lot of Dune was very influential to modern sci-fi. Some of it very hard, you know, the kind of great dynastic space opera style things. And we've we've previously had uh, Avalon Hill making a Dune board game, and of course, Fancy Flight uh, remade the Dune board game uh, into Rex, effectively. Uh, Rex yep, is which effectively is their Twilight Imperium game. universe. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that, what happens. I'm yeah, cautiously optimistic. I believe yeah, is my too. phrase. Uh, yeah, by the time this podcast goes out, um, Sam and I will be deep in the bowels of Tabletop Scotland, which is coming to Perth this weekend, uh, over the 1st and 2nd of September. Uh, I'll be running the playtest zone there, um, and I'm also going to have, well, by the time this podcast goes out, I will have been on the D101 uh, panel for, with the Unlucky Frog crew, uh, throwing our per- my personal um, gaming foibles into the infamous Room 101. Uh, and they've uh, they've done a fantastic job, the team behind Tabletop Scotland. They've got tickets now approaching 700 by the time this goes out i'd imagine they'll have broken that number with tickets on the sale on the door as well uh, and most likely i'll be putting up a little report on the tuesday following this cast going out about my time at tabletop skull and first impressions and that kind of thing uh, and yeah we'll probably talk about it on the cast after this one as well looking forward to it sam i'm very much looking forward to it yeah i'm just up for kind of 
a whole day playing games I haven't played before, you know, just going around. Um, I really like that about about conventions. Popping over to the playtest zone to, to try some new designs. Really looking forward to that as well. And um, yeah, just Scotland having a con. It's kind of a nice idea, isn't it? It's good. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's a good few cons about, like Claymore and things like that. But this feels like a very sort of diverse con. They're mm. very family focused. It feels a bit more like a sort of sort of uh, their focus feels a bit more like Expo, where they're sort of family focused and that kind of thing. And it'll be really interesting to see um, how the team do. I'm really looking forward to it. Re- really hoping it goes well for them. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see many more. Yeah, it should be good. Fantasy Flight Games have announced their second game in their line of unique games following Keyforged, Discover Lands Unknown. So this is a big box board game with a retail price of 60 US dollars. Every copy will be unique in components, in storyline that you play through. Between two and four players will play through a storyline of discovering an unknown land. Um, each of you gets a specific character, much like you would in, say, Arkham Horror or someone just give me another game with characters or, <laughs> or pandemic even <laughs> and you're pandemic Thanks, even. yes yep i like how we were no help as well yeah, we yeah, like, but, uh, yeah i do a complete blank there yeah. so i was like games with characters what <laughs> is this new concept you speak of each player will get a unique character to them um out of a, of a series of characters that you can find in the box and it's it's worth saying that a lot of that char- the character art they've shown off so far is extremely diverse, really cool. FFG still doing great work in, in that in that arena, really pushing the bounds of sort of um, of diversity in their games. It's really really good to see that. This game itself, I'm a little not unsure about exploration mm. game. Do I really care that my copy is unique from yours, Sam? So one thing one thing they have said is the the type of terrain and the and the land you will be uncovering that's one of the unique elements so my box might be you know it might be tundra your box might be rainforest jamie's box might be the desert and i kind of like that but at the same point it's like well i might really want to do like a a snow-capped mountains adventure and i spend 50 60 quid and i don't get that yeah i mean there's been some speculation amongst the community that it's fancy flight basically trying to tempt collectors in to buy multiple copies of the game but i I don't think that's their real intention but i i would imagine that will happen there will be a secondary market for like i got this like you say i got the snowcat mountains adventure do you want it yeah give me some money it's also it's also that we're seeing an evolution in board game design and pardon me for borrowing from the video game uh terminology here but we've we've had you know We've had the legacy mechanic, but now we've got what you could almost call, call procedurally generated games. Now, that's not exactly the same as in, like, a, a roguelike game. But the fact is, every copy is going to be unique, no matter what it's going to be. It's, as we said, you know, tundra, rainforest, desert, snow-capped mountain. That's fine. My initial worry is the same thing as with Keyforge. And maybe it's just because I don't know what's going to happen, is that we buy three copies of the game, one each. Ian, you get a great snow-capped mountains adventure. I get an okay adventure in the desert, and Sam gets an absolutely terrible rainforest one. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be some. Obviously, there is going to be a degree of quality control. This is fantasy flight we're talking about, but the same the same thing as we talked about with um, Keyforged. What's the regulation going to be on? I don't want to say good moments because I think good moments is completely subjective. I think I think my thing that we've touched on with Keyforged, 
and it's the same as this, I think, is regulation of balancing the game. So that's this, what, that's my point, this yeah. is a co-op game, and as I said, like much like in Pandemic, your character is going to be able to have an ability that no other character on the table is going to do. You'll have your own little niche within the game, which is really nice. But it also says things like items that you can find in the game will be randomised and unique to your copy. Other things that are randomised and unique are your pool of survivors, the enemies you encounter, the environment itself. And I just think, well, are some people going to get technically an easier game in their box than other groups? And how, again, how is that kind of balanced and how's that regulated? I think it's... I think it's going to be, it's going to be the lottery you get with any any of these games, which is, here's a number of factors that we're not just going to get, just shake up in a big box and go, okay, you get this, this and this. I'm sure it's going to be, right, you've got the tundra, you're going to have these type of enemies or these type of encounters. Right, okay, you've got these. Okay, we're going to have this and then this. And so you have that branching kind of graph that means you'll get your unique game. Uh, something that just occurred to me is that how do you review this? Like, as a reviewer, which I am, do you play how, multiple how do you copies, I suppose, thing? maybe? You play, like, two or three games. But again, it's finding that, isn't it? Like, even if you get sent copies from FFG, which I don't, because I'm yeah. a pretty small reviewer. <laughs> Even if you get certain copies from FFG, they're only going to send you one, aren't they? They're not going to send you multiple copies. Although, yeah. Fancy Flight, if you're uh, if you're listening, hello there. And if you'd like to send, Ian, <laughs> each, of, each us of us a copy. A copy. <laughs> We'd be happy to quality control. Very that, happy. Yeah, and absolutely. we could deliver three different uh, three different opinions on the game. Because we're, we're nice My like worry that. on One of my worries on this whole idea as well of unique games is actually... Well, you say components are unique and all these things are unique. How unique? Actually, is playing the Tundra game actually that much different to the desert scenario? Or is it essentially just a graphic thing and they're all the same game you get in and it just looks Let's see how Keyforge goes and then we might be able to make more of an informed choice because that is still a bunch of disparate, for what about a phrase, disparate factions or a bunch of disparate areas, let's say, uh, and they're being kind of shoved, not shoved together, but they're playing against each other. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. With well, they're both fourth quarter releases. Um, I think as a group, we're a bit more excited about Keyforged, but we'll keep an eye on both. I'm, I'm actually more interested for Discover. There you go. Well, controversial. It's good to have different everyone's, opinions. Everyone's unique. Staying with Unique Games, TM, uh, from Fantasy Flight Games, there has been some inf- more information leaked down about Keyforge from Richard Garfield, which Fantasy Flight putting out, uh, as Sam mentioned, in the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, there's an interview up with him on Fantasy Flight site now, uh, talking about various aspects of the game. A couple of interesting tidbits that I've pulled out of that interview. He said that the card power is not tied to rarity, so rare cards are not necessarily the most powerful cards in the game. They're just uh, more specific, more, um, more unique. He's hinted at people People being able to bid chains to play more powerful decks. I don't know whether that's going to be an internment environment or more casual. But effectively, chains are sort of like handicap that uh, that uh, makes you draw less cards uh, per turn um, to allow you to play your particular preferred deck. And he's spoken uh, to the the tech at the printing companies has now allowed for these kind of games to reproduce these these very unique games. And also, um, he was mentioning that. Uh, one of the things he hopes that uh, comes out of Keyforge is he hopes players will have more agency in how to play their decks. As a long-time Netrunner player, I'm, I'm very familiar with like certain deck archetypes coming about, the meta changing, that kind of thing. And there's a very particular way to play those decks. And I think what Richard Garfield's looking for from this game is that everyone will play the deck their way because they will have literally a unique deck, which is an interesting thing to think about. 
Yeah, as I've said previously, like I really like the idea and a lot of the reasons they're saying, a lot of the annoyances, if you want to put it that way, with a lot of traditional card games that they're trying to stop with this, um, I'm on board with, you know. He's also touched a, a bit on actually the the production side of the game. I think it's worth talking about. That's really interesting. Yeah, of, yeah the production um, side just blows my mind. Like, I don't know how yeah. they're doing it, but it's pretty cool. So he said he checked with the printer that it could be done, went to Fantasy Flight. Apparently there's an algorithm at the printers that, that kind of generates a lot of deck possibilities. Um, and then he, he also goes into the fact that, uh, to quote him, he says, FFG goes beyond my infinitesim- infinitesimal chances of a duplicate and actually checks each new deck against previously generated decks to make that chance zero of duplicate decks coming out they, they, which... they must do that with a spreadsheet they, but they don't have a poor guy sitting there going through every single deck <laughs> <laughs> what's your job well i check literally billions of decks to make sure they're all unique it's quite possible the back is just going to be layers of of colors of geometric shapes and is that particular layer is unique to your deck names you know you chuck in a random name generator well like for instance they're they're one of the pictures in this particular interview shows a few off which includes the unequivocally famous jane that's a great name that. quo the notably bogus also fantastic and my personal favorite the one that totally prefers aliens yeah i i absolutely love that i can't wait to see new ones and yeah. all, the, all the different ones that come out. I, th- I think that'll be one of the really cool things. Is like you'll see someone's deck, and it's called called whatever it is, and that'll be that'll be part of the fun. That'll be pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking. I'm really looking forward to the game. Yeah, sounds cool. I'll, ke- I'll yeah. keep a I'll keep a wary, uh, a cool wary distance yeah. and just see <laughs> how you guys find it and go. Oh, my player, my player. <laughs> not not for any elitism or anything. I just I don't have any money for for card games, <laughs> even if I only need to buy one deck. Which actually seems more like is right up my street. Critical Role has announced that they're going to be bringing out a weekly web series designed to help new players of Dungeons and Dragons. The web series is going to be only five minutes long each episode. It's going to be called Handbooker Helper. And each episode will cover things like how to quickly build a character, uh, the difference between a, a saving throw or a skill check, and just basically slowly introducing people to the world of 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons without going, there's a book. You're on your own, son. I think this is a really good idea. I mean, it, it, for Critical Role to use their sort of presence in the community to help out new players like this, it seems like a really, really good idea. And the fact that the shows will be so short, like nice digestible episodes of here's a thing we're going to talk about, here's how it works. I think it's a really good idea. Really great. Absolutely. And there are lots of channels that already do this, but the fact that they are using, as you said, their their presence, their weight, if you will, to go, it's only going to be five minutes, and here you go. If you only want to, if you really want, to, if you're really confused about skill checks and saving throws, there you go. You just need to learn that. You don't need to scroll 25 minutes into a 40-minute video. Yeah, and talking about uh, confusing rules and the like, uh, we've heard recently that Dyes are going to be going back to crowdfunding. If you're not familiar with them, Dyes went to Indiegogo last year to get funding for their app, which is essentially an app that uh, the idea is that you would get a board game from a shop, go home, you'd load up the Dyes app, look for that board game, and the app will take you through literally from unboxing the game to your fir- right through your first game. Well, step by step, here's how you lay things out, here's how things work. Uh, at the moment, there's only a couple of games out on the app as proof of concept there is king domino and blood rage two very different games there to show off how that dice app can work and they are heading back to kickstarter to raise money for a developer kit which they are planning to 
punt out to various companies uh, like Fancy Flight Games, Sandman Games, things like that. That's the people they really want on board with this kind of stuff who will start making their own games through their software platform. Now, I'm not entirely sure whether Dazed has a future life in this kind of stuff. It, I don't know how it gets big enough to be useful, how it can ever monetize itself well enough to, to keep going. But it, it's certainly an interesting app uh, from an accessibility point of view. Sam and I have talked about in the past, if you, if you can't read rule books, if you don't like reading rule books, um, it seems like a really, really good idea. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there. Having played around with it for about you know just 10 minutes or so, it's got a lot of potential. But I think the main question is just keeping it up to date, keeping it just keeping it going, keeping it relevant and keeping it yeah. something that people are going to use. As you said, you know, you've got Blood Rage and King Domino, two vastly different ends of the spectrum. That's good to see how it handles two vastly different games. And they're working on a pack to send out to other companies. The fact is, how are you going to keep it mobile? How are you going to keep it going? Is yeah. you're going to have to send it out to every company that's possibly around. And it's inevitable that you're going to get videos that are of varying quality. And that's the unfortunate thing. And that's one of the things that we want to invest, look into, like how, how do you keep that quality? How do, you, how do you keep the app updated? Especially when you have such big events like Gen Con and Essen every year where literally thousands of games are being released. How do you remain relevant in that space? And Sam and I recently talked to Mike Barnes, who was uh, previously the UK regional manager for Dyes, and I had a really good chat with him. And we've actually reached out to Dyes recently themselves, and we've got an interview lined up uh, in the next couple of weeks, we hope. And what we're hoping to do is put out a special episode of Brainwaves in the not too distant future, which will look at Dazed, have a really good chat with the people involved, because we think it's a really good idea. But there are some questions around the app, how it will how it will eventually impact the board gaming community, and we'd like to do a little investigation into that and really address those issues. Just find out more, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, can I go about something very quickly? Sorry, just the thought has just sprung into my head. As we said, this uh, company's going to bring out uh, things to all the big studios. That's absolutely fine. What about small studios doing like okay let's let's say kickstarter let's let's go back to we haven't mentioned it at all this episode and, and now i'm breaking the kickstarter <laughs> seal well one of the things that happened recently was eclipse second edition one of its stretch goals was to have the dice app as part of that and i th- i do think that's really where they want to be they want to be stretch goals on the dice app they want to be out when the new games come out i think that will give them a lot of momentum into the rest of the board game hobby like we're saying we will come back to this in a special episode a proper investigation to it where jamie sam and i will have a, a proper discussion about dice have a look at it and uh, we'll share some of the interview audio that we've got with you. David Bowie's back from the dead. What? He is? (laughs) (laughs) You come on. You knew that was going to (laughs) happen. We've got to keep that in. Yes. Yes. He's now a free-to-play card game. Wow. Well, that's definitely a different career direction for David Bowie. (laughs) He's a mover and a shaker, uh... He's a mover and a shaker. And now he's a card game. Yeah, you can go over to Board Game Geek and download Bowie. That's all it's called. Um, from designer Daniel Bullock. And it's a free-to-print-and-play card game. You follow David Bowie, everybody, between two and four players. Each take the role of a different incarnation of David Bowie. We can, for example, Aladdin Sane, Ziggy Stardust, the Thin White Duke, the man who fell to Earth. Is, is this the Flight of the Concords episode, the card game? Have you seen Very that much the so. Yeah. Yes. No. Um, I'm oh, 1978 David Bowie from the Ashes Trashic mu- music video and <laughs> things like that. Oh dear. It's fantastic. Um, Bowie is in space. 
So supposedly during the game, um, you're just trying to prove your Bowie is the best, going around signing record deals, releasing records. Bowies can also take on managers to reduce the threat of drugs and dark forces. <laughs> um, everyone's got a special power. Look, this is free to print and play. I think we need to do this at some time. We definitely need to do a review of this I've, at some no, point. I've, in a, in I've our, downloaded this. Worst... Oh, I've we, downloaded well, it. I just need to print it out now. Well, we are planning to meet up in September for some gaming, so we'll have to like maybe do an audio review of it down the line in our worst David Bowie accents. Bagsy the Laughing Gnome. <laughs> oh, I was walking down the hot streets. Just I sound no. like Anthony Newley. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. And now you can't unhear it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jamie. Yes, sir. I believe you're going to take us... Um... To a magical place. Magical yeah. place to the world of Codenames. More specifically, the, the, the seventh game in the Codenames franchise has been announced. Harry Potter Codename. Franchise? Codenames Saga. Sorry. The Codenames, Codenames Legacy saga. coming next year Code- from Rob Tavu. <laughs> Just rip up don't words joke, you don't I bet, like. I bet, I bet someone is working on that. By Vlada Chivatel and Rob Davio. That's my that's my bet for the next legacy game. But no, uh, so this is Codenames Harry Potter. It's going to be basically Codenames Duet, so obviously a two-player game. And players are working to reveal all the right cards before they either run out of time or summon Voldemort or another dark wizard. Have you, have you guys played Codenames Duet at all? I've only played Codenames Basic. I haven't, no. Uh, I had a demo of it down at uh, Expo last year with um, my mate Gaz from uh, the Smart Party podcast and it's really interesting little adaption it's a really good uh, two player adaption of the codenames game i really really liked it nice and it's got sort of a little campaign mode and it looks like this one will have the same thing there's a there's a little campaign sheet being shown off with it so yeah yeah it's really cool i i really like it as, an, as a two player and i think it has to be said especially like the little um the agent location charts on on this game specifically the graphic design is fantastic yeah um for for a licensed game a lot of the harry potter games don't look all that um and this really really does look good yeah it looks really nice the co- the codenames games have always uh, had my admiration for their graphic design like the words being on both sides of the cards that kind of thing just just really cool i don't know if it's like this in codenames duet but the cards that players need to guess in codenames harry potter is going to have a word or phrase on one side and an image on the other no i mean there's definitely an adaptation there because uh, codenames duet is essentially still basically codenames um but you're sort of like uh you're both trying to cooperatively get uh, uh, all the stuff before your guesses pass out i i, I only play out a brief demo so I'm, i might be getting that a little bit wrong but basically you've got a sort of a limit number of like mistakes and guesses and things like that you can make before the game ends so this is out later this year out later this year yes Will it be a Target exclusive? That's the question on everyone's lips. Uh, let's hope not. Well, uh, that's about all the time we have uh, in the news. Um, but now we have a little holiday report. Sam, Jamie and I went on a lovely holiday recently in a lovely tiny submarine under the sea. It was fantastic on our deep sea adventure. I've got to say, Ian, this Brainwaves holiday was a great idea. Although, a trip on a submarine wasn't what I initially had in mind. Well, it's a a little unusual, I'll grant you, but you know, uh, a friend of mine had a submarine, so I thought, why not? Uh, It was better than your suggestion anyway, I didn't didn't like that idea. Why? What's wrong with going to New York? Uh, Nothing, I guess, but like going around Europe, Asia or the USA, uh, you know. Yeah, fun. Just, you know, smaller. 
Just not my cup of tea. And the, and the less said about Sam's idea, the, the better, really. Uh, where is Sam, anyway? Uh, I think he's still in the bags downstairs, or that's what I asked him to, anyway. Uh, did you get the provisions in and, and the air tanks? Uh, yeah, put them in one of the lockers. There's a lot of empty space, isn't there? I mean, it, it's not great for my height, but yeah, I guess there's enough yeah, for, for you. See, Jamie, um, anyway. Hiya. Hi, Sam. Hey, Sam. It's quite nice up there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You two chatting about much? No, uh, Ian was going to make some kind of announcement, I think. Well, uh, what I was going to say is, I, I, I'd i like to dub this our, I think, our first deep sea adventure. Uh, uh what now? Well, we're, we're, go we're on a deep sea adventure. We're, we're going to go treasure hunting, guys, aren't we? Oh, I wondered why there were diving suits. Okay. So we, so we're going diving. Yeah, yeah, di diving. You, yeah, you, you watch the instructional videos I sent you. Yeah, the Sasaki's were very helpful. They, they give me, uh, they lent me the submarine diving suit to match the treasure. It was all very cheap, uh, a very good deal. Um, all we needed to get was some tanks fare. You, you got those, didn't you, Jamie? The tanks. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about that. Um. Who was in charge of the provisions? Was it Jamie? I, I don't Like, I saw an air tank room, but it was like, full of biscuits. Jamie? Would anyone like a biscuit? Um, we're definitely going to have the words when we're back in the studio. So, uh, if we're going diving, like, how much air do we actually have? Enough for three dives. Like three dives each, that should be okay. Three dives all together, so. I mean, I would. would did you, should we lock him in the biscuit room? We don't have a break. Biscuit room? It's yeah, we'll lock him in good, there. Isn't it? Yeah. Are you not coming out till we start diving, Jamie? Some holiday. Would anyone like a biscuit? I got plenty here. It's actually, it's actually rather warm in here. Oh, yes, oh, stop, don't worry about it. You know, we're, all, we're all going down, going down steadily. I just hope everyone, hope everyone behaves. This is good. Okay. I'm gonna behave, Sam, I'm gonna behave, all right? We're gonna get treasure together, okay? Big, one big brainwaves treasure trove grabbing team. Oh, but Jamie, there's like four levels of treasure. Yeah. So, I'm probably just gonna grab some now. Don't, don't be an idiot, Sam. Don't be an idiot. Look, you grab treasure now, the air's going to start running out. You don't want that. Also, you know, the more valuable treasure, I think, is further down at the bottom, because that's how it works, apparently. I suppose I suppose grabbing treasure now will just slow me down anyway. So, uh, yeah, good thinking, I suppose. Um, yeah, good man. Right, we'll get down to the bottom level, right? We'll get the most treasure, like the priciest stuff, and then... Uh, What's that? Sorry, James. Uh, it seems like, uh, I, I got some treasure. Is that right? Um, the submarine hatch is just up there, so I, I thought I'd just grab this. Ian! Oh. Ian! You damn you, Ian! Um, Jimmy, my air's, my air's running out. Uh, no, I, I've got plenty of air. I'm fine. Thanks, thanks very much. Cheers. Uh, oh, that's, it's going down. It's definitely going down. That's fine. Don't worry, Sam. Uh, grab what you can and, and, and let's go. Come on! Jimmy, it feels like I've got no choice of how fast I can move right now. I'm trying to catch up. Like... Oh, it's all in the mind, Sam! Oh, damn, 
this is not nearly as much to hope. I, I really should have looked closer at what treasure I got. I really wish I could see it before I got it off, off the seabed. But it's so dark down there, I can't really see anything. It is, isn't it? I mean, I guess I guess that's part of the mystery of the treasure grabbing, isn't it? I mean, ooh. <gasps> oh, that's, that's not bad at all. Guys. You okay, oh, Sam? Hi, Sam. <sighs> just left me down there. I've dropped my loot. It's all at the bottom in a pile. Oh. You should move faster. Yeah. Get, get your breath back. We'll try another dive. We'll, we'll let you out first this time. How's that? A biscuit, anyone? What the hell is it with you and biscuits? Seriously. I mean, I like a nice custard cream, but seriously. I like biscuits. Oh, go on then. Then we head back down, and this time we work together. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Oh. Work together. Sure. To, to adventure! adventure. <laughs> That was some crazy times. On it that was some crazy times, Sam. I did enjoy. Uh, I did enjoy the little submarine. It was fantastic. It was I had a, a great bit, time. It was a bit short for me. I mean, I'm quite tall, so I hit my head a lot. Yeah. I had a great time, but I'm I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I ate nice a lot of biscuits. Back. I'm happy. Yeah, you do eat a lot of biscuits. By the way, I need to talk to you about the brainwaves budget. It's yeah. It's, uh, no. uh, don't look at the budget. It's um. Resting. There's a lot of custard creams on those bills. A lot of custard creams. Resting. Yeah, anyway, so we're thing. back from holiday, and I think it's time to talk talk board games. It's what we do. And we're going to go into Brainstorms. And this week, I get to introduce this one. Brainstorms. So I was walking around town the other day, went into a bookshop, and lo and behold, I see on the shelf lots of products for Pathfinder Playtest, which is the beta edition of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which, Jamie, you played down at Expo. Um, and my question is, what's up with companies selling beta versions of the games to customers? And how do we feel about that? So my thoughts are they're very admittedly and very honestly saying, this is not a completed product, but we're still going to charge you £35 to play. Playing Devil's Advocate here. If I could charge people my money for beta versions of my game, I would probably do that as well. And a popular and game like Pathfinder it, as well. Yeah, and especially with this version, you can get it totally for free, including the adventure. If you if you want to, you can go to their website, you can get it for free. So I think in this case, this is very much a, a case of it being a collector's item. Like, I, I, I have the beta version. I will probably buy the the full version when it comes out it's very much collectors buying that kind of thing and let, let's face it some people do prefer having a physical book around the table i don't i don't mind using pdfs for role-playing games myself uh, but a lot of people much prefer the physical copy um so yeah uh, there's there's still a lot of that within the rpg community so i can i can understand people wanting that i can totally understand paizo milking that for all it's worth quite frankly no fair enough i i, I do get that i suppose my my issue with it like, so there was a um, there's a playtest book. There was a collected edition playtest book. Yeah, that that is a little weird. I'll give you that. And there was also Pathfinder playtest map tiles as well, which I imagine aren't going to change anyway. The map tiles, you know. Um, but there was a range of products for this beta edition of the game. You know, it was a full release, and you know they they say that the full edition is going to be out next year. So it's, well, how much Pathfinder playtest are you going to play before 
second edition is finally out and how much you know are you effectively going to sink like a hundred quid on this for a game that literally has a lifespan of about a year really before the actual final product is released i think it depends on how much you like pathfinder how much you want to play and try and incorporate the new stuff into the old stuff uh, or try and find out a balance before the second edition actually comes out I mean, it is an interesting thing. Like, I, I would hope that, especially if you if you downloaded it, if you if you bought the physical books, you would at least get the PDF version and the, mm-hmm. preferably the final PDF version for free. Because yeah. certainly, what happens a lot in the computer computer game world, especially on something like Steam, uh, is you get the uh, the early access games. And I've bought a few early access computer games myself. Yep. But you do eventually get the final product with that as well. Yeah, it just kind of automatically updates at the end of it, doesn't it? Yeah, then, yeah. More often than not, you get. Yeah, you'll get the final product, depending on development cycle and that kind of thing. It's worth noting that Peso are not the only company to have done this in the past. Recently, Cubicle 7 released a Waffrup 4th Edition PDF into the world, and that is not complete. Though I believe it has just come to completion fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I, I looked up and... FFG had done that with yeah. all of their their three Star Wars role playing, which games. wasn't something I was aware of at all. Yeah, also interesting to add as well, though. So they did that with the three Star Wars role playing games, which were Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Force and Destiny, and they all had retail releases in the beta form. But then the beta for Legend of the Five Rings was a free PDF download. It was about two hundred and fifty odd pages as well. It was not inconsiderable volume. It's something I saw a lot in the uh, in the days of in indie RPGs with Collective Endeavor that I was part of a few years ago, is that there was a, a concern amongst um, new designers that kind of thing that their games would be copied if they released them uh, if they released them in a digital format. But what actually happened a lot of the time was that if you released a digital copy, you would get great feedback from people. Um, it was a great way to reach out to people and show them your game and eventually a lot of those people even if they'd got the game for free would eventually end up buying a physical copy because they like to support you and liked your game so much so it is a really good way of getting your product out into the world yeah well like actually charging for a beta version i wouldn't buy one myself for a physical game i just think it's a lot of money for a beta edition yeah but but like i say like the pays a version like you can get it for free you yep. don't have to pay for it so some people are choosing to pay for it. And I assume that it must be in Pezo's interest to put that out there and have and let people buy it. it Otherwise, works. they wouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah. it must have worked. Fascinating to me. I mean, I wouldn't consider it myself. No, exactly. I mean, my, my knee-jerk reaction, I think similar to you, Sam, was... Oh? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, so we did the beta for um, Star Trek Adventures. Yes, I ran that. I looked at that a lot as it during the, I signed up so I ran a couple of ventures for people as it was developing we got the feedback we got the, the different rule books every time uh, and I kept running it for people and you know we saw the game develop yeah and it wasn't necessarily an open beta you still had to kind of apply to be part of that beta test didn't you yeah um, and I think that's maybe I suppose that's more of a standard way about of going about it yeah and it makes yeah. a bit more sense to me it's kind of like well you, if you want it you sign up to it that you get the downloads there you and, go. And because it seems to be an adaptation of the system, uh, the Pathfinder system, rather than you know an outright new system, uh, the closest thing I've seen or I remember was only War, the Fantasy Flight uh, Imperial Guard Warhammer 40k role-playing game. Before it was released, they uh, released a adventure for expos and conventions. Played it, pe- got people's feedback, and that allowed to be to bleed back into the final. Uh, rules of the rulebook it's just another way of doing it except this time they're charging you with an rpg it's really hard to play test that enough to be sure that it's right unless it's unless it's a very small light rule set 
Um, like uh, Blades in the Dark is a good example, actually, because um, Blades in the Dark, when you backed it on Kickstarter, that was iterated over about seven or eight versions, I think, before it came to the final version that actually went out into the public. Uh, and as a backer, you got to see all those different versions. You got to see it evolving. You got to contribute. And that was a really cool thing to see. Um, and it, it, it meant that the game got iterated much more quickly than it would have by a smaller team. Um, and especially since John Harper is uh, a small press uh, RPG publisher, it meant he could access a lot more people very quickly, which is really cool for like that, that kind of thing. But I knew I was buying into that right from the start, and I knew I would get the final version as well. With the Paizo one, I don't think that happens. Uh, even if you buy the... If you, if you buy the yeah. physical book, you're not going to get the there's final no, physical no, no. book. There's nothing to say you do. No. Yeah, but but also the also the difference there is you know it's it's you backing it as 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 a as a crowdfunding game and you're backing for a certain level, so you know that you're going yeah. to get, for example, a physical it, copy at the end. So yeah, I, I totally understand your concern, Sam, with people um, basically not knowing what they're buying into. I think as long as companies are clear all the time that this is a this is a beta, I think I think it is the diehard fans that are buying that kind of stuff from a collector's point of view. And it allows them to feel engaged with the game, maybe a little too engaged for the company's preference, who knows? Um but yeah, I think you see it a lot in RPGs where you see early versions of games going out and it it builds them an audience, it get it gets them a lot of press, and eventually you will get the final version in PDF form, which is great. Well, um, that's about all we have time for on Brainwaves, but before we leave you, a final piece of news. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce that we have reached peak Cthulhu. We've all been waiting for it. No, no, you thought we had, but now we absolutely definitely have. With the release of WizKids Arrive, a game of Eldritch Contortions, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I announce to you Cthulhu Twister. Except not Twister, because it's legally distinct. Legally distinct from, but similar to Twister. Uh, yes, this is the new game from WizKids featuring a bunch of Eld- uh, Cthulhu-style Eldritch contortions as you manipulate your body into the shape of a Shoggoth. I have no idea exactly what's going <laughs> on there. I have also seen a game recently called Tower of Madness, which has Cthulhu-style kerplunk mechanics. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to announce it's finally on the downward trend. We have reached peak Cthulhu. We're done. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast around amongst your friends. And uh, if you can, please do drop us a review or rating on iTunes. It's a very little thing, but it really, really helps us out. Uh, you can also follow us on the Twitter at the Giant Brain, uh, Instagram we're Giant Brain UK, Facebook the Giant Brain, our main website where you'll. F- find lots of reviews for myself is giantbrain.co.uk and you can email us about anything in the show or anything you like on the site at giantbrainuk at gmail.com do email us get involved let us know what you think about the the items in brainstorm the items in the news articles do do let us know what you think and if you've got any news to share with us then please do get in touch thank you very much for listening say goodbye gents goodbye gents goodbye